Welcome to the Liberty Podcast. We're so excited that you're interested in the teaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church. We're a multi-site church that exists to share the love of Christ across Northwest Indiana. If you're looking for a church home, please check us out at our website, findliberty.net. Thanks again for joining us as together we're transformed by the teaching from the Word of God. Uh, please remain standing for the reading of God's Word. So I was, I was slow to the draw, that's my bad. Luke 6, 43 to 45. For no good tree bears bad fruit, and a bad tree does not bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And this is God's word. You may be seated now. <laughs> All right, before I jump into that text, let me, let me pray for us. Uh, our Father Jesus talks here about being a good person uh, that speaks good words and has good fruit for others. So help us understand what Jesus is saying so we can speak good words and other, others will experience goodness from who we are. And so help us see what Jesus is saying. We pray this in his name. Amen. Uh, well, six years ago, almost to the day, uh, my family and I laid my grandfather, Joseph Davis, to rest. My papa lived a, a large life. He fought in the Navy in World War II, lying about his age so that he could enlist even though he was too young. And at barely a teenager, he patro- patrolled the Pacific on a PT boat until he was injured and received a Purple Heart. He owned a shoe repair business and was one of the first people in southern Indiana in the 1950s to employ African Americans as his co-workers. And I knew him as Papal, mostly watched Indiana basketball with him. And I watched him love his wife really well, my mamaw. And he cared for her until her last day as she suffered from Parkinson's disease. But my Papal was a good man. A good tree. And I got to taste a lot of good fruit from his life. And so it's not surprising Jesus would describe a good person like a tree. Just imagine walking a Michigan road in the fall and you stumble upon an enormous apple tree full of apples. And you pick one and you eat it and it's delicious. Jesus says a good person's like that. Lots of good fruit for others to enjoy. And so the question becomes, how do you become a good person? How did my papa become a good person? I even hope that's something you want to become. That wherever you are in your journey in faith, with life, with God, you would want the people around you to feel about you the way I feel about my grandfather. This morning, even as I was writing this intro up, I still teared up because I miss him. So I want that to be true of 
me, and I bet you want that to be true of you. So what is Jesus saying about how to become a good person? And, and here's where he invites us to start. Pay attention to your fruit. And so listen again to the words of Jesus. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is known by its own fruit. If you're into underlining your Bible, that's a pretty good line to underline. Each tree is known by its own fruit. We are known for the fruit that we produce out of our life. And so what kind of fruits are you producing? What are you known for? Bitterness or joy? Gossip or encouragement? Anger and chaos or kindness and gentleness? When people walk by you, if you were a tree, what kind of fruit would they be picking off you? Or if that metaphor doesn't work for you, uh, let me try this one. I, I grew up playing sports, and one of the most important roles on a youth sports team is whoever brings the snacks. This is a vital role, but I've noticed something. The quality of snacks provided to today's youth far exceed what I experienced as a child. So my boys' Little League teams, like the snack bags that are handed out, was a feast. They've got bags of chips, Doritos, cookies, fresh fruit, and the pinnacle of all Little League snacks, a bottle of Prime. This is not what I grew up with. What I grew up with was a single bag of grapes that we all put our dirty hands into, and a water cooler, water cooler full of water from a hose with dead animals in it. So when it was time for us to provide Little League snacks to our kids' teams, that's what I wanted to provide. Old hose water and dirty grapes. My wife disagreed. But if, if I had stood at the end of that gate, kids running off the field, hey kids, here's water you might need a tetanus shot after you drink and some old grapes, that whole team would have hated me. And that might be how some people are experiencing us in life. We're handing out things that nobody's interested in. And that's what Jesus is invited, inviting you to consider. To do an honest assessment of your life and ask how people experience you. So I want to think this out in a couple ways together. The first is, today I believe Jesus is speaking especially to the leaders among his disciples. And the reason I think this, if you go right before these verses, he's speaking about people who notice a speck in someone else's eye and they are to remove it. So they notice something is wrong with someone else and then Jesus instructs them how to lead it. And that's ultimately what spiritual leaders in a community are to do. We are responsible for noticing and calling people into a life of faithfulness to Jesus. So I think there's a unique application to leaders in a church community. And so this includes me as a pastor. And if you lead a small group, if you teach a Sunday school class, if you lead a ministry here at LBC, if you serve in a ministry at LBC, Jesus is saying something unique to us. And I want to name that. Because what I find interesting about Jesus teaching here, and he does the same thing in, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus focuses primarily in his leadership not on the truth of what being, is being said, 
but on the quality of the life of the person who's saying it. I'm going to say that again. Jesus spends more time with his leadership on the quality of the life of people speaking on his behalf and not the truth of what's being spoken on their behalf. Don't hear me saying what's spoken doesn't matter. I'm not saying that. What I am saying, Jesus puts pride of place to what kind of person is speaking on his behalf. That if you're going to take the speck out of someone's eye, if you're going to name something that's wrong about another person's life, then you'd better be a good tree with good fruit, is what Jesus is saying. And that's important because too many of us, many of us, it's been common among the church, um, we excuse poor the poor quality of a Christian leader's life because we see what we think is good results on the other end of it. Sure, he's a jerk, but he's a great worship leader with great music. Sure, she's not a kind person, but the kids love her Bible lessons. Sure, you need, we need to keep the new people around, uh, away from him at church, but he's a great preacher. Jesus is saying the poor quality of our lives can be just as disqualifying as our poor, poor quality of teaching of truth. And I don't think the American church has believed this properly. And it's why over the last 20 years we've seen abuse scandal after abuse scandal in the Catholic church, in the evangelical church. I mean, how many of the major pastors within Chicagoland have disqualified themselves from ministry? And it was obvious to everyone around them there was, no, there was no meaningful good fruit from a good person. Lots of people attending, lots of books sold, but a life of abuse and dishonesty surrounding them. That's why C.S. Lewis said, of all bad men, religious bad men are the worst. And so for a minute, to the leaders here at, at Liberty and to myself, when you serve on a ministry team, how do people experience your leadership? Is it more about you and what you want to do? Or is it more about them and giving away goodness and love and kindness? Do you care about the kind of fruit, the kind of person they're experiencing from you? Now, what Jesus says is, is brilliant because he's, He's not just interested in what you do and say, but who you are. That matters more to him as a teacher. The second thing I want to think out together with you in this is, is it's applicable to everyone in the room, not just to leaders, but Jesus is saying the best way to judge your fruits is to judge your speech. Because your words reveal who you are, right? The good person out of the good treasure of their heart produces good. The evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Your words say a lot about what kind of tree that you are. As Michael Hyatt once said, a careless word can shape or misshape someone's reality for years to come. So what do your words reveal about what kind of tree you are? kind of fruit you're handing out. So how do you become a good person? Well, first, pay attention to your fruit, which means pay attention to your words. What do your words reveal about what kind of person that you are? That's the first thing Jesus invites us into. <clears throat> the second, uh, pay attention to your fruit, but also you got to prune the tree. So again, Jesus says, uh, good person, 
Out of good hearts produce good. Evil person out of an evil heart produces evil. For out of the abundance the mouth speaks. So how good are our words? And what do our words reveal about us? And I'm, I'm going to bet a lot of us, we have that experience. We say something and something's revealed and we're invited into a choice about how to respond to what's been revealed. Right, so, uh, for example, the actress Emily Blunt uh, has recently been in the news because in 2012 she was telling a story about her experience at a restaurant. And as she was telling that story, she spoke a cruel and disparaging word about her waitress that was, was totally unnecessary to the story. And it was, it was brutal and harsh and, and mean. So when the clip resurfaced, the outrage was sufficient enough. She had to issue a statement about that moment. And that was the moment for her to pay attention to ask, why was such a harsh, disparaging, off-the-cuff comment spoken by me? Right, And we all have these moments where a moment of our anger to our kids reveals something in us we know shouldn't be there. A moment of gossip where we say something about someone else we know we shouldn't have said. A moment of bitterness where we speak to a co-worker or to a fellow student in a way that we know we shouldn't. And when that happens, we have two choices. There's two paths you can take from that moment. Choice one, that's not really me. And that's what Emily Blunt said in her apology. This is what almost anyone who has to do a public apology does with their apology. Uh, She said, I've always considered myself someone who wouldn't dream of upsetting anyone. So whatever possessed me to say anything like this in the moment is unrecognizable to me or anything I stand for. I don't mean to be harsh on her because we all do this. But notice, uh, I've always considered myself to be someone who would never do this. Well, now you're someone who did this. Well, that's because something possessed me. And it's unrecognizable to me. That wasn't me. And we have so many ways and strategies of doing this, don't we? We blame others. Well, if they hadn't done that, I wouldn't have said it. We blame circumstances. Well, if I wasn't so stressed, I wouldn't have said it. And we'll fix on to anything to avoid looking at the bad fruit in our life. And there's certainly some truth to those excuses. That's why we like them. Because listen, when I I am well rested, sipping on a pumpkin spice latte, reading my favorite book, right after the Cubs had won game seven of the World Series, my speech was impeccable that day. So for one day, that happens. So what would Jesus say to me? Is, Is the real Tim... Pumpkin spice latte, well-rested, Cubs victorious, Tim. Or is the real Tim bedtime, Tim, where the other night I looked at my daughter and said, I'm, I'm so frustrated, just go to bed. To a four-year-old. Instead of stopping what I was doing, entering her world and attending to her needs so she can be at rest. Which is the real me? Well, Jesus answers that question. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What you speak is in you, and it's you. It's not somebody else or something else. It's you. That's your heart. And those are moments to to consider the fruit. And C.S. Lewis, he speaks to this. He has one of my favorite illustrations to this. A little lengthy, so but, but come with me on it. Lewis writes, When I come to my evening prayers and try to reckon up the sins of the day, 
Nine times out of ten, the most obvious one is some sin against charity. I've sulked or snapped or sneered or snubbed or stormed. And the excuse that immediately springs to my mind is that the provocation was so sudden and unexpected I was caught off guard. I had not time to collect myself. Now that may be in extenuating circumstances as regard those particular acts. They would be obviously worse if they had been deliberate and premeditated. On the other hand, surely what a man does when he is taken off his guard is the best evidence for what sort of man he is. Surely what pops out before the man has time to put on the disguise is the truth. If there are rats in a cellar, you're most likely to see them if you go in very suddenly. But the suddenness does not create the rats. It only prevents them from hiding. In the same way, the suddenness of the provocation does not make me an ill-tempered man. It only shows me what an ill-tempered man I am. The rats are always there in the cellar. But if you go in shouting and noisily, they will have taken cover before you switch on the light. So that, that moment of deep unkindness to my daughter the other night is the moment Jesus is inviting me to see the rats in my basement. What's going on with that? Why has goodness not shaped me in that part of my life yet? But let's be honest, how many of us actually do that? How many of us, when we see the rats, when we say we know we said something we should never have said, we, we immediately own it, name it, take responsibility? Or how many of us, we spent a good chunk of our lives avoiding what people have been trying to tell us for many years? A good person prunes the tree. They see a branch with rats on it and they cut it off the tree. <laughs> We work to remove those things, eradicate them from our lives. No excuses. Because we agree with Jesus. Out of the overflow of my heart, my mouth speaks. It's there. It's in me. And it must be taken away because I want to be a good person. So how do you become a good person? Well, pay attention. What kind of fruit do you have? What are you handing out? Prune your tree when you see, you know, don't keep handing out old grapes and hose water. Stop. Prune it. Um, but third and finally, plant yourself by, by living water. And so how do you become a good tree? Well, you need good sustenance. You need water. Now, there, were, there was some debate this week uh, among the teaching team about Jesus' teaching here. Uh, and I, Kevin's not here. Kevin Earhart's not here uh, to enjoy this, this little part where I talk about him. Um, but Kevin Earhart, he grows trees in his yard. And he, he protested for a moment. And he said, hey, hold on. I have good trees that often don't produce Good fruit. And as the TG team considered, is Kevin Earhart right or is Jesus right? (laughs) We landed on the conclusion, Kevin, the problem is still the grower of the tree, not the tree itself. Um, And so, like, what is is giving sustenance to to your life, to your tree? And that's where Jesus goes next. It's where he'll end the sermon. It's where Dave Segrist will be in a couple of weeks. But Jesus invites us to ask or consider this question after he speaks about out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. He, he asks this question. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? I mean, think about what Jesus' teachings have been. What he's told us to do over the last few weeks, if you've been with us through this series He's told you to love your enemies and to pray for them. He's told you to bless those who have 
have cursed you and spoken harshly to you. He's told you to be a non-judgmental person who is generous and forgiving to others. He's told you to be a, a generous person of love, especially to those who are hateful to you. I mean, that, those are pretty difficult words to obey. And yet Jesus says, why, why do you call me Lord and then not go do what I say? Well, it's worth How do you do those things? Those are really hard things to do. How do you become that? And here's where, unfortunately, I think some Christians take the track of, well, you can't really do them. And Jesus is making you feel really bad about yourself so that you'll, you'll know that you need his forgiveness so you can go to heaven one day. So Jesus tells you to do things he knows you can't do. I don't think that's what's going on here. Although I do think that is true. <laughs> Why is it so difficult for me to love my enemies? Well, Jesus is saying, consider the kind of tree you are. Because what was the kind of tree Jesus was? He loved his enemies naturally, easily, because he was a good tree. So how do you become a good tree? Well, it's, Jesus is not saying to, to you things you cannot do. And we know this because of the way the early church lived out these teachings of Jesus. They loved their enemies in such powerful ways that it, it's why the church grew in the midst of incredible persecution and violence and suffering. And so earlier in the series, I mentioned the Bishop of Carthage, Cyprian, who was martyred for his faith in 258 A.D., he lived in a tumultuous time, as I mentioned. Pandemic swept North Africa. A play, or a, a persecution killed many Christians. He had to flee for his life at one point. Just imagine living in that environment. You get sick and die at any moment. As a Christian, you're thrown into prison, killed for your faith. And so how did he respond? Well, he loved his enemies. And over a lifetime of listening to and obeying the teachings of Jesus, the rats had left the basement. And as he went to his death, he instructed his fellow Christians to give generously, to give gold to the man who was executing him. He said, don't hold a grudge against him, but give my own wealth to the man who kills me. And non-Christians saw that and saw thousands of other Christians living this way. And in a couple of generations, the church went from being a persecuted minority killed for their faith to the only multi-ethnic, non-national religion the world has ever known. And that's some of what I witnessed in my papal. I meant to carry his Bible in my, in my office. And filled in his Bible is notes, little writings of how he tried to obey and do the teachings of Jesus in his life. And in a world where anger and hating people who was not like you in the norm was the norm, my grandfather crossed racial barriers and was a person of joy and generosity. Why? <laughs> or how? Well, he tried to do the teachings of Jesus. And he became a very different type of person. So how do you become a good person? Plant yourself in the teachings of Jesus. I believe you can actually do them. You can actually become a person who loves your enemies, who blesses those who curse you, who doesn't judge others with harshness, but is generous. And You can actually become that person. And that is a part of what Jesus is saying, but it's not the full reality of what Jesus is saying. Because the question isn't, 
why do you call me teacher, teacher, and not do what I say? It's, it's why do you call me Lord? Jesus doesn't just invite himself into our lives to be a teacher, but to be a Lord. And I know that's a religious word. We don't really use that word anymore. But it's, it's master. It's the voice I listen to. It's my God. And, and so Jesus is not just saying, I have good teachings, I'm a good moral teacher, you should do them. He's saying, I am God with living water come to, to water your tree so you have good fruit. So listen to what I say to you. And Jesus was living water. I mean, remember the context of where he said that. Talked about being living water. So he sat across from a woman with a terrible past, with lots of brokenness, and she had been judged by her community. So she's alone at the well in the middle of the day. And yet, what does Jesus say to her? I have water, and if you drink it, you'll never be thirsty again. I mean, what a moment for Jesus and his generosity, his kindness, his power. And he frees that woman from her sin and releases her into a life of goodness. And that's how you become a good person ultimately. Not by trying really hard to be as kind as you can to your family at the Thanksgiving table this year. Not by trying really hard to finally become a generous and loving person. Not by trying really hard to only speak words of kindness and grace. No, you need to experience all of that from Jesus first. To sit at his table and hear him forgive you. To see him going to the cross, loving his enemies and releasing forgiveness into a world that killed him. And yet he said to them, Father, forgive them, they do not know what they do. To see him naming all that is wrong with us and still saying, I love you, I can change you. Listen to my words. Trust me. And so, before we ever try and be a good person, we need to first experience his goodness towards us. Let us pray. Uh, Father, we, we are grateful. We, we see in the Gospels a good life. Jesus loving his enemies, blessing those who curse him, dying for his enemies, teaching hard-hearted and stubborn disciples who didn't understand what he was saying. And that's all of us. And yet Jesus still says, hey, call me Lord and come do my teachings. Uh, So we want to be those kinds of people. But first, we have to experience that goodness of Jesus. So now as as we sing, as we prepare uh, to come to his table in a few minutes, we just pray for the goodness of Jesus to, to overwhelm and consume us, that we would experience it, that we might be good people. We pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being with us today. If you'd like more information on our church or a place to connect, you can check us out on the web at findliberty.net.